Sometimes Linux users just can't get a break. Sometimes we don't get to enjoy features like, oh, I don't know, your fancy 4K screen at 120 hertz, or maybe you're like Wes over there with your 5K at 240 hertz over you there. You know mm-hmm. Well, we've been left out because Linux users haven't had HDMI 2.1 for years due to limitations that have been set, not at a technical level, but at a policy level by the HDMI form. And the good folks over at AMD have tried to find a solution for the open source driver, and they worked on a proposal, submitted to the form, and the form rejected their efforts. Yeah, all that despite AMD engineers spending actual months trying to figure out if there was any possibly right way to do this, and having the code even working internally, it had just come down to the forum actually stamping it and giving their approval. Working code yeah, internally. It's, it's not a technical issue, right? It's it, it just needs this group to say, yeah, sure. Now, Michael Arable added some background context in his coverage. He noted... In the early days of the open-source AMD driver efforts, there were concerns around exposing GPU video acceleration in the open-source driver as to not potentially compromise HDCP digital video restrictions with MPEG, LA, and the likes. So the bad old days of blocking Linux features out of piracy concerns are alive and well. It seems so. Yeah, you can't have that because you might steal a movie. Well, so be it, boys. Arr! You know, the pirates were the first to discover the gold. Hello, friends, and welcome back to your weekly Linux talk show. My name is Chris. My name is Wes. And my name is Brent. Well, hello, gentlemen. Coming up on the show today, we've all been kicking the tires of Plasma 6, the brand new release that's been over a year in development. We'll tell you our thoughts, our reactions, and maybe why it's the runway they need for the future. And then we'll round out the show with some picks, some boosts, and a lot more. So let's say a good, hearty, time-appropriate greetings to our virtual lug. Hello, Mumble Room. Good morning. Hello, Hey, Weston. Hello, Brent. And afternoon and evening. Yes, hello up there in the quiet listening as well. Thank you, everybody, for joining the Mumble Room. We've been chatting and hanging out on the live stream for about uh, an hour, 25-ish minutes or so. It's been a good time. Also, a good, hearty good morning to our friends over at Tailscale. Go to tailscale.com slash Linux Unplugged. This is programmable networking that is private and secure by default. It really is the easiest way to connect your devices and services to each other, wherever they are, securely and remotely, protected by... Oh, my God. That's right. Using the noise protocol to intuitively, connectively put all of your things together across the internet in a VPS, in a VM, in a Docker container, in an app. Easy to deploy, zero config. You can use it at scale at your enterprise, replace old appliances, try it for free on 100 devices, and support the show at tailscale.com slash Linux Unplugged. Let's start with a couple of quality of life upgrade stories for Linux users that came out this week. One that we've been following very closely now for a long time is the open source NVIDIA driver, NVK. And a blog post over on Collabra says, and I quote, NVK is now ready for prime time. It is now Vulkan 1.3 conformant. It also has a bunch of other features that they need. Uh, it has a DVK running out of the box on Upstream Mesa right now, though not all Direct 3D 11 games are playing perfectly, but out of the box on Upstream Mesa is a huge deal, and work is underway to get D3.12 emulation working with Proton. It's not fully functional, but it's actually already in progress. Ooh, this is exciting. 
Now, Wes, it feels like it's been what? I don't know. Both like five years and one year at the same time. Yeah, I think uh, NVK was was kind of announced at least when we started paying attention to it back in October of 2022. Working on a brand new open source Vulcan driver for NVIDIA hardware in Mesa called NVK. And I didn't expect it to come then. I'm a little surprised how fast it's moved now. They're really doing the people's work over there. I know this is also the result of you know work from Red Hat and I would imagine NVIDIA as well and of course Calabra. But we are getting so, so close. It'll be part of Mesa 24.1, which they're hoping means it will land in the spring or fall releases, probably more likely, of Linux distros. So that's how tangible we're talking about here. Ooh, it's close. That is really exciting. And it could mean for a lot of us trouble-free NVIDIA for at least a basic Linux desktop experience. I imagine there's going to be edges of gaming you know, AI workload and CUDA workloads and things like that, that, you know, you're not going to be happy. But for those of us that just want a stable desktop with Wayland, oh, I'm very excited about that. We'll keep an eye on it. And then one other story we want to just kind of make you aware of, because I think it's going to make your desktop or laptop experience so much better. And this is really a desktop focused episode. I never thought I'd say these words. Fuse pass through support may be landing very soon in Linux and substantially boost the IO performance for Fuse. A pass-through mode is in the next branch that could potentially get merged into Linux 6.9. How great is this? Faster fuse, okay. No, why, why, uh, I understand kind of like video pass-throughs and things like that. Why do they call it pass-through here? What's going on? Well, I think normally think about it as you had this user space process that was really processing everything. And then, when so you'd write to a fuse file system, this user space process would take that and then it would handle the writing to the file system. I think with this, and the reason why you're seeing this in the benchmark, is you're getting close to native I.O. performance because it basically goes from this process handling everything to, I think, setting up a construct that the kernel mode probably handles and then passes it through right to the disk. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm getting out of this, right? With Fuse, you set it up so you can have a user space application handle all these file system stuff, which is why you can do such yeah. neat and crazy things like, that we've seen with Fuse. You know, like my favorite is the you can mount an SSH server as a file system or S3 yep. using Fuse. And so maybe this wouldn't help for those use cases, but for stuff where you're, you know, I don't know, like something uh, similar functionality to merger FS or, you know, things where you're, you're doing manipulations, but then ultimately those things end up back on file systems under the Linux kernel, just, you know, different ones than what you think you're writing to. This kind of stuff lets you say, let's basically you clue the kernel in on that. So on a f- per file basis, instead of handing it off to Fuse, the kernel can just sort of say, oh, well, I know where this goes. I'll just write it out there. That's brilliant. And so if we're lucky... We don't know yet, but if we're lucky, it lands in 6.9, which would mean, again, probably about fall. You know, you've seen it in your Linux distros or something, but still, it's going to be a great summer and fall for Linux desktop, just with this stuff. And then you figure Plasma 6 coming along, too. It is a funny challenge of our uh, little ecosystem here. You know, like us folks on the bleeding edge or who are trying to cover these things, we know about it now. But even if you, you know, you might hear about it on the show, but if you're just using an LTS or whatever, yeah, like, it's you're going to have to remember that going to be a bit. Every time you upgrade, you not only get like sort of the things you remember, but you also get all the things that have been stacking in the background. I think when I think about this, though, this is going to be a fundamental use case shift for me. When I think of a Fuse file system, I think slow. Like when I think of an Electron app, I think slow. Uh-huh. When I think of a Fuse file system, I think slow. So I think, you know, maybe it's okay for backups or maybe recovering data, but I wouldn't want to write to it on the daily. What if that changes with this? And what does that mean for crazy, stupid storage setups that I could get myself into? Probably a lot. (laughs) 
There's probably a rabbit hole there that's just full of like trouble. You're going to be rolling your own fuse application. Very excited. I see some future episodes in this. Yeah, yeah. I'm very excited at this. Um, so we'll see. We'll also keep an eye on this story. I'm 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 really really feeling pretty optimistic about uh, the next couple of versions of GNOME, where Plasma Six is going, and some of the desktop features that are coming in future versions of Linux. It looks like just what we can see already and the development timelines that we know of, 2024 is going to be a fantastic year for Linux desktop. Things are just getting better. All right. This is our last episode before the last episode that we hit the road. So hopefully Brent will be in studio next episode and we'll be packing up and uh, heading down to NixCon North America shortly after our episode. And then, of course hanging out at scale in Pasadena, California. All of it runs to the uh, 14th and the 15th and the 16th, I think. In the I don't know, but it starts at the 14th and it goes on there. There's a website. We'll have it in the show notes. We're going to have four live streams during our trip. They're all detailed at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. One on the 12th, the 14th, the 15th, and the live LUP on the 17th. LUP's obviously going to get published. The other ones will not be published. So if you miss them, you miss them. But there at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar in your time zone, they will also be published as a live item pending feed in podcasting 2.0 apps. So you won't even have to do the math if you're using a new podcast app. Then lunch is coming up. And boys, I think we need to start planning for a good crowd. I keep seeing more and more signups filtered yep. in my old yep. email. I'm getting excited about it. Plus, you know, we'll always pick up a few. I I wonder, are e, are are you guys planning to actually attend very many talks? I'm kind of planning to, I mean, I'm going to hit the Nick stuff hard. Yeah. And then I'm kind of planning to just probably do the social scene a lot. It's a good reminder. I don't think I've looked at the schedule yet, yeah. but I should. Yeah, I don't think I have either. Because sometimes there, there might, there's always some standouts, right? Yeah, they yeah. get really good talks. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. there might be one or two we want to catch. Mm-hmm. Unbelievably for me, I've never been. So I think I'm, I don't know. I don't even know how to scale. So you guys are going to have to teach me. You're my mentors. Oh, yeah. Well, the first thing is, is bring an appetite. I, I like to eat at scale. Um, and we also want to know what you'd like to hear from us in our coverage. So please do boost in. You made this trip possible. And we do have that scale matrix chat that we'll have linked in the show notes as well. So if you're uh, attending and you want to coordinate or anything like that, that's probably a good resource for that. And then I'll mention coming up on the show, I have the, I think it's pronounced the Sirius 16, all Ryzen laptop from Tuxedo Computers Info Review. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about it because I've been using it for my Plasma 6 review, but... I'd like to know what you're looking for in a laptop these days. Please boost in and tell me, are you looking for big laptops, small laptops, dedicated GPU, AMD, NVIDIA? It's all kind of up in the air right now because if you're looking for a laptop to do certain types of LLM workloads, maybe you actually want NVIDIA. So tell me what you're looking for in a laptop. And if you have any questions specifically about the Sirius 16, which is their all Ryzen system that I have. Uh, and I'd love to answer that. Because uh, that probably either either the next episode or the episode after. I've been working with this machine now for about seven days, so I'm pretty much there on my conclusion. But I'm still I want to throw um, one more distro on it. You'll never guess which one. You'll never guess Debian. No, 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 no. no. All right, there you go. That's the housekeeping for this week. Now we do have the mega release from the KDE community. Um, Ten years ago, KDE Plasma Five was released. And Plasma 6 has taken over a year. 
And on February 28th, the project announced their mega release of KDE Plasma 6, which includes, of course, the desktop environment Plasma 6, KDE Framework 6, and the apps like KDE Gear all around it, based on the Qt 6 development framework. This was a major rewrite for them. Uh, Qt 5 had lost its support by the Qt company, and they said, okay, we're, we're you know, I think it started with Qt 6.1. They said, we're only supporting Qt 6 going forward. And we knew that the KDE project had a clock. They were up against time, and they maintained Qt 5 and patched it themselves for a while. Yeah, there's the uh, sort of complicated relationship with Qt and Plasma, and while all the Qt stuff, you know, does get open-sourced, and, you know, open-source projects are able to use it, the, their deal allows them to wait up to a year before releasing some of those things. So it meant either Plasma stagnated, uh, or they kind of had to do the work themselves. So beyond all the work of actually getting ready for Qt 6, there's this ongoing maintenance effort to keep the 5 branch going. Yeah, see, how long can you do that, right? You eventually got to switch over to 6. But the trick for the project is is not to rug all of their users and change everything on them. There was some Plasma transitions. I was joking with Brent that I started using the KDE desktop around version 2. So I remember the transition to KDE 3, and I remember the transition to 4, and I remember when we started calling it Plasma, and I remember the transition to 5. And I remember the first couple of releases of 5 being kind of rough, but then they started getting it. So I wasn't quite sure because I have a very, very long history with this desktop. Mm-hmm. I wasn't quite sure which upgrade experience I was going to get this time. Was I going to get the rough rebase? Was I going to get, you know, the smooth rebase? And I think that was a key question the project took on. Um, so obviously not everything's done yet and it's not available in most distros yet. But you can refer to their wiki if you want to try it after the episode or you can just grab KDE Neon and have some fun if you want to try out Plasma 6. But let's talk about some of the changes they made. And then we'll talk about how disruptive it is or isn't. Because we are talking about a pretty big rebase to get this thing on Qt 6. Yeah, I think that's worth underscoring that, right? Like, before you get to adding new features or fixing bugs or improving anything else, you got to get, you got to port your compatibility over. You got to get to where you were. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Back to baseline, which is wild. I think it's worth underscoring, too. uh, Like, I think discussions of the first, very first inklings of Plasma 6 started somewhere in, like, 2018. Yeah. And then 2020, things really getting going. But you just had to do, there was a bunch of work that had to take place in the Plasma 5 branch to clean things up, to get ready, to start the migration of integrating the Qt 6 stuff. Even before you've made an official branch called Plasma 6, you've kind of prepared the whole library to get these improvements. And they were very savvy about making Plasma 527 the best release they could because they knew they were going to be on that release for a while for this more than a year while they built out plasma six smart moves by the project all you know getting their ducks in a row i'm hopeful that it's you know a sign of kind of a maturing and well-oiled machinery going at the project yeah so we have the transition to the new cute six framework but the other massive i think rethinking and rebuild from the ground up is this is a wayland first desktop environment we are living in a, and you know, you think about this, the commercial desktops have to do some of these rebuilds every now and then too when they replace a major component of their stack. And the Plasma 5 series got us a long way with Wayland. But it was born in the X era, where Plasma 6 was born in the Wayland area, era. And it is it is a Wayland first desktop environment. And so that I think that's going to make a Maybe it's like a it's such a it's it's such an important detail that it feels like it's gonna be one of those things that influences the stability and all of the desktop for just years. Right. I mean I think this is kind of the first place right where we're seeing that uh if K1 has a hard time, it won't eat all of your applications. They've set up like a backup compositor yes. that things can get passed to and then 
restored into a relaunched Kaywin, which, I mean, that's one of those things that you, you'd expect in a, in a Wayland native environment. You want to just work. It's a feature you expect in the old X version, and it's finally here. Probably one of the biggest user-impacting features. That is just, they want it, it. It's funny because end users, right? They're not even going to notice no. it. <laughs> it's the kind of thing you wouldn't expect, except if you happen to have run into it and, and now it saves your day. And a lot of that is the Plasma 6 release. It's a lot of stuff that because they've pulled it off, you're not even going to notice. But they do have a new overview effect that you might notice. They've improved it. It just, it looks better. I can't really explain it, but the old one in Plasma 5 was, was wonky. The algorithm they used was just a little wonky. This one is. Much cleaner, easier to actually see everything. And now we have HDR support as well. So that's really great. Yeah, it seems like there's some good color work going on in general. I saw there was some some stuff added to help colorblind users as well, which is nice to see. It sounds like they did some work on the Breeze theme a little bit. So instead of replacing the theme, which, Chris, I think they did in previous uh, cute transitions, which didn't go over so well with users, uh, they kind of just doubled down on what was working really well. That said, I also noticed uh, reorganized settings, which at first, being a long-term KDE user, uh, I was like, wait, 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 the thing I thought was in this place is in a different place. But yes, actually, it's reorganized in a way of like everything you want to use the most often as just a user is exactly at the top. And the things that maybe you touch once or twice when you set up your system are a little bit nearer to the bottom. So that that kind of is really nice to see. I could talk about the cube. I'm really happy to see the cube back. But I think... I, I this is this explains me. This is me, and I'm gonna. It's embarrassing, but I'm going to admit it. When I first launched the Plasma Six desktop, my first reaction was, "Oh, thank God they made the panel floating. Thank God it's floating." It was just this. It was because I want something new in there. And when they had the floating panel, it looked so good. And it was just this smallest subtle idea that this is a leaner, meaner plasma with one little tweak here and there. But it's the plasma, you know. And so now the, the, the panel, depending on, you know, if you're upgrading, it's not going to do this to you. But if you're doing a fresh install, it floats by default. And the other change they made that I felt like was finally, and I don't know, like, why it took so long. I'm so grateful for Nate Graham for really pushing this forward. They have relented on using the single click like it's a web URL to open up stuff because this throws end users. And most upstream distros have just started changing this to double click anyways. Fedora, Kubuntu, Manjaro, they've all been they've all been switching it for years. And Nate Graham suggested maybe we should just disable it. He said, quote, distros are closer to the users. And clearly the feedback they've been getting is that the double click is a better default. Let's admit it and switch to double click by default ourselves. Yeah, I think there's a there's a small set of folks that are maybe not happy about this, but otherwise there's a lot of long term plasma usage that you know, whenever you got to introduce Plasma to someone new, you, it's, it's one more setting you got to apply uh-huh. to make it decent. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it also, I think, shows you how the Plasma development team can take in feedback like this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it it just feels like there's less hills they have to die on over there. There's more like, okay, if that's how the users want it, that's how we'll do it. And, of course, right, it's just the default. So, like, you, if you want the old way, which is a nice way to do it. Well, yeah. if, if you're used to single click, it's efficient, it's nice. I think the problem is just that uh, other OSs have, you know, built in double click. It reminds me of when Microsoft tried to do this thing called Active Desktop, and they put Internet Explorer inside the File Explorer, and they tried to make everything a web link. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, no, actually, we as computer users can understand the different contexts. In the, in the web, it's a single click for a link, and on the desktop, in your desktop environment, it needs a double click to execute things. Like, I, I think that's not a hard convention, and because it reduces 
the amount of accidental fires of opening a document or launching a program. And, you know, if you do professional editing or things like that on your system, sometimes when you accidentally click something, you know, it's taken like five minutes to launch your video editor or something like, oh, that's OK. Well, that's files associated with DaVinci Resolve. Let me load up DaVinci Resolve for you. I'm like, oh, God, I was just selecting the files. Oh, <laughs> you know, so it's kind of it is nice to see that fixed. And we also have new touchpad gestures, which is really great. Um, they've made they've made some small tweaks to the scroll panels, just little things here and there, like you were mentioning like the breeze theme. That's all landing in there. So you got this new plumbing, and then these small touches. Yeah, I think a lot of sort of cleanups in various pieces of the just the components you see in a lot of KDE apps. So there's just like less borders, fewer lines that you have to see. So everything just feels yeah slightly polished. I think I was seeing in the chat room this morning as we were getting warmed up. Uh, I think it was Dan and Jeff. Jeff, were you saying like you upgraded from your Plasma 5 install and it just took your defaults, your settings over and just preserved most of your settings in Plasma 6? Yeah, I barely actually didn't notice any difference until I went looking for them. Think about how freaking impressive that is on a technical level. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah, I love that. Um, Definitely don't want to see a big change if I'm just updating. Gives you, yeah, confidence and the stability that you can just, you can take this update and not have to blow up your whole workflow. I do think it means that if you're curious about like the the freshest experience you might try a clean yeah. install even if it's just in a vm or you know on a throwaway install because i think the, the change defaults are a big deal determinate.systems slash unplugged yeah you've heard of them before they're the builders of the best nix installer out there which has full mdm and skiff mode support they get over twenty thousand installs a day you know that they make great team collaboration tools that cloud native nix initiative and You've probably come across some of their open source tools or definitely documentation for the Nix community. But they also create FlakeHub.com, the all-in-one platform for secure, compliant, and transformative Nix development. Bring Nix to work the way you've always wanted with FlakeHub.com. Go register for the private beta and get secure, compliance-friendly Nix and all the support you need at determinate.systems slash unplugged. The truth is, Nix does need a lot of high-level permissions to do everything you need it to do to really take advantage of its full utility. I mean, you need it to manage your GitHub keys. You need it to write to your cache. I could go on. All these things, they likely clash with your existing security setup that's been established for a long time. FlakeHub.com offers a solution, a completely revamped access control built specifically for Nix. So forget about this try to one-size-fits-all solution or static secrets that you're leaving on your system, which honestly, not a good idea. It can leave you vulnerable. FlakeHub has the latest methods to let you control access securely. You can grant access based on specific roles, of course. You can use secure tokens. You can integrate with your existing systems like your single sign-on. FlakeHub empowers you to secure your Nix environment while still enjoying the full potential and utility of Nix. The full power. And I think the best thing is it fits into your existing DevOps workflows. So you're not going to have to learn something entirely new to use FlakeHub. It's already where you're working. And it's the only SOC 2 certified platform for Nix. And it truly delivers a low-friction Nix development experience that you've always wanted. So you can just get to work with Nix. Go to FlakeHub.com. Get that private beta. Also, make a connection to a great company in the Nix space. I think this is a company to watch. And I'm super proud to have them as a sponsor. You can support the show and check them out by going to determinate.systems slash unplugged. And enjoy Flake Hub. You sign up for the private beta at determinate.systems slash unplugged. And a big thank you to Determinate Systems and to FlakeHub.com for sponsoring this episode. 
Now, the three of us spent most of our week playing with Plasma 6 in a variety of ways. I actually don't know how each of you went about it, so I'm looking forward to hearing about that. But for me, I stuck this thing on my framework, my framework 13. That's kind of been my Nix OS system. And uh, at the start of the week, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to use, you know, Neon to get this going. That's the the blessed way, and it seems closest to the project. But in the back of my mind was just waiting for maybe NixOS to get this Plasma 6 in there. And sure enough, midweek, I was procrastinating enough, and midweek, uh, things started moving in their unstable channel, which got me quite excited. So that is the method I took. I decided to go all crazy, as Chris might say, and Chris might suggest. And I decided to switch to the unstable channel in my NixOS install, which I don't know if that's a good idea yet or not. We shall find out and report later. But after doing that, uh, you know, as it is with NixOS, it was a one-liner just to tell my system to switch to Plasma 6, which was kind of an amazing experience. Now, given my internet speed, the upgrade took like, you know, hours, but I did it while I was away from home. And that's just has nothing to do with the software, more to do with my space internet. And uh, man, a reboot later. And it was actually kind of an amazing experience. Well, that is slick. All right. Okay. I'm impressed. I'm glad to hear it because that means you're going to be daily driving it. So you can, you can be our plasma six correspondent for a bit. Yeah, I figured from what I've been hearing and what we've been sort of hearing from the community, hearing from different developers who are working on the project, that this was going to be a fairly smooth transition from five to six. And so I thought, what the heck, let's dive right in and just use it full steam ahead, right? So I'm committed to just leaving this on my system and using it from now forward. And my initial thought was, oh, actually, this feels kind of just stable and familiar and like, okay, slightly fresh. I'm seeing some subtle design differences, but really this almost just feels like a point release upgrade from a, you know, things aren't broken perspective. Chris, you, you've, you've been sharing with me for years, like some of the horror stories of moving between old plasma versions, major versions. So I was scared that would be the case but since in the last like month we've been hearing this going to be quite smooth and sure enough i would say at least from my perspective it really was when i rebooted it was like oh everything's exactly where i expected it there's a few little new things if you go looking for them but man was this ever smooth so i'm very happy yeah and there's a lot of little improvements to the animations uh so it just things feel a little tighter and i don't know if that's cute six or if they've some areas i think it's maybe both um, that's great. And, and really no major stability issues or anything like that. So far, I haven't seen anything break in regular usage. Now, you know me, I go You're looking for problems I and I certainly sure. found some, but like, come on, it's <laughs> like brand new. What from a few days it's been released. So sure enough, there's going to be some edge cases that a Brent might find when he goes looking for them. But <laughs> overall, like from a daily use perspective, Everything's been great. I I haven't had my workflows be broken. Um, so a few things that stood out for me was Spectacle. I use Spectacle all the time to take screenshots. The screenshot tool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And for a while now, whenever I find bugs and various things that we're trying, I like to do screen recordings of them. So I had to kind of, with Wayland, find solutions for that because not all the screen recorders were were working in the last you know year or so. But it seems the Spectacle now has a screen recording function, which I'm really happy about. I don't need a separate program now. I think it's early. It works, but there's like a few little niggles that aren't quite right. But for the most part, I, that excites me quite a lot as like a just everyday use kind of item. So I, I would say, Chris, give it a shot. I know you like Spectacle. I also know that you and I, I'm a, I'm, I'm a moderate Spectacle user, but I know you and I are uh, K-Runner buddies. Mm. And there is some improvements in K-Runner. Like you can pin things and mirror organize things. Now, did you get a chance to play around with that stuff? Yeah, in the last six months, K-Runner has changed my life. I've just been like diving <laughs> into <laughs> it and really digging into it and customizing it. And so this came at a perfect about this. <laughs> this came at a perfect time where K-Runner now allows you to reorder the search results that it, it shows you, which Huge. exactly three weeks ago, I was like, I wish I could reorder these because really I'm always looking for kind of the same thing. Sure enough, they're thinking the way I am. So I, I'm loving the direction of K-Runner. Yeah, I agree. Search is a little is a little faster and tighter now too. So that also makes K Runner feel a little tighter and faster. It's it's really impressive, actually. I mean, we could have this could have been one of those releases where we're sitting and be like, well, this isn't working yet. And every time I launch this, it crashes. Because the very first look I took at Plasma Six, that was the kind of state of things. Like <laughs> months ago, months ago. I, I will say, back. like everything's been pretty smooth for me. Um, I where I found the most issue with. Uh, some new features and I knew I would because Uh this is kind of the history of what I've seen in KDE is that when you're trying to manipulate the panels, it can be problematic. So there's a new, some new panel editing interface, which I think is really great and much improved. And I think it's, it's yeah, a good decision to have upgraded that. However, I felt like in the last year they had finally gotten panel editing to be, stable but with this new interface it seems like it i had yeah things crash several several times trying to modify things so i would say early days for that function it's cool to see the new interface but uh you might run into some problems but it's something you use you know once or twice to get things set up and and kind of leave alone after that so but other than that i would say i'm totally happy and glad this worked out for me because I did decide to stick with it. So uh, I think it'll be an okay journey. <laughs> you know what? You've inspired me. I'm going to update my machine right here in front of me, which is you know just a, it's just a workhorse. I'm going to upgrade it to uh, Plasma 6 during the show. So during by the end of the show, show, it'll be on Plasma 6. All right, get started. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm going to do it. All right, Wes. So uh, tell us a little, start with the, the hardware that you used and the journey that you took. <laughs> Yeah, a little boring on the hardware side. Uh, Intel-based ThinkPad, which is kind of my default tryout distros on because most stuff just works. And I've tried a lot of distros on here, so it's different software setups. Um, It's a nice little test bed. Uh, Also tried Plasma 6 out in a virtual machine just to see, you know, did it feel sluggish? Did it feel faster? And uh, any other issues that way. Plus, it's it's an easy way to try it. And uh, to do all that, I was using KDE Neon. Good old Neon, the go-to. Now, I actually thought out of all of us, you'd be like, oh, no, I use Nix. You know, I was thinking about it and uh, very tempted. And I think we, you know, we got, we played with it a little bit uh, and got it set up on one of your machines. But it'd been a moment since I used KDE Neon. And I kind of really appreciate that the project has Neon available for exactly this kind of thing. Right. I agree. Yeah, that is like, this is what it's kind of for here. And especially for a sort of, um, a, I don't know if we want to call it a review, but like an experience report of something. 
I mean, I think the Knicks packaging effort for plasma is all wonderful, but you know, there's, that is a layer that are, you got to make some Knicks things work because it's a separate project. So it's kind of nice to get neon and sort of get as close as you can to sort of a pure plasma six experience, at least in the way that the developers are themselves likely experiencing it. And brand new users. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think neons, I mean, a uh, spoiler alert, I, I decided to go neon for the exact same justification. So there's the spoiler. I did neon too. And I'm actually, I'm running, I've been running neon on this machine in front of me for years here in the studio. So what did you think? What did you think with that? We had, so you had the fresh coat of paint and everything. Yeah. I mean, I like it. Uh, first off, I'm kind of frustrated because I'm normally a Breeze Dark user, uh-huh. but the light version I looks know. so good now. I agree. I think I prefer it. I, I think I'm not, I'm not going dark <laughs> mode with it. <laughs> what? You know what? I, I know. I, I'm the same. <laughs> it's weird. It's Breeze. Is, it's, I was already kind of there with some of the most recent refreshes, but I don't know. It's just, I think I, think I kind of used to use dark mode to kind of hide some of the uggo. That, uh, yeah, that's probably and I don't, it, huh? Maybe not as necessary now. <laughs> it might not be as necessary. Yeah, there's like all these little hard edges that have just kind of been polished off quite literally with the floating toolbar, but, you know, just all over the place. Um, I, th- I thought a lot of the, you know, the the, the core work is, um, you know, the, the framework stuff, just the desktop itself, all wonderful. But I was impressed, too, with some of the, the work that's been managed to go on to the actual application side, like console, mm-hmm. great terminal. Mm-hmm. It now puts every tab in a separate C group. So um, you don't have to kill the entire console and all of your tabs at once. It can kill a single tab and it won't, you know, if something goes wrong, something hangs, it eats a bunch of memory. You get a lot more safety, which is nice if you forgot to use something like Tmux or Zellage and, you know, your SSH didn't do in a long running. Chris has never done that. No, no, hey. None of us have, right? Come on. You know what, though, Wes? That's a great example of when you're rebuilding and rebuilding with some of the modern Linux tooling that we have. Where uh, you don't very often as a desktop environment get to like relook at some of your fundamental applications and tools and be like, how could we, if we were to build this today, how would we do it a little differently? Yeah, I wonder how many of those opportunities came up as you're, you know, having yeah. to do these framework updates. And you're like, oh, well, I'm suddenly in this part of the code base. So right. Let's fix this. Yeah. Um, oh, 12%. This is going to be a while, guys. It's, it, the download took, the download went pretty quick. Hey, now I warned you. Be, the installs take, you're going to take a minute. Yeah. Um, Dolphin saw some some love in this release. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I take Dolphin almost too much for granted because it's, it's just a, a top-notch graphical file manager on the Linux desktop. Sure is. Uh, the thing that stood out to me this time is some accessibility improvements, notably that the toolbar buttons and the disk space in the status bar are now keyboard accessible. You can, open, you can press F10 to open the main menu and Shift F10 to open context menus. And it's just those little details that I really appreciate, especially like maybe you're on a laptop and you're not trying to use your kind of crappy trackpad all day and you just want to you know let the keyboard drive in yeah uh, i mean dolphin's been good for years now but uh in plasma 6 it's it's just it just again just top, turned it up a little bit better and it's one of those things like when we did our our windows challenge you know that stood out to me that mm-hmm. at least in a lot of places not everywhere but a lot of, especially the old places on windows you just have that right you can press alt and yep. some f keys and like you can do a whole, I get, you can install the whole OS without your mouse. I used to, yeah. I used to use, because you used to have to use large par- portions of Windows before you had like certain drivers loaded. You get around the whole OS. Yeah. So it is really nice to see that coming to Dolphin. You're right. I do want to echo uh, Brent's love of the spectacle improvements because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a big spectacle user myself. I think it's a great little screenshot utility. I haven't tried the recorder yet, but that's, that's nice to have. Um, there's also like lots of little things like better ways to set the quality. You can do VP9 if you want. And they added a bunch of CLI options. So if you want to, like, 
launch your screen recording oh. in a script or something via spectacle on the in console to have at it. <laughs> That's great. You, you know, there's one other spectacle upgrade that I forgot to mention, which is there's a new button for capturing all of your monitors, but they are scaled to the same scale. So if you have like a 4K monitor with your 1080p plugged in or whatever, it captures them all at the same scale to create like a nice shareable whatever. I thought that the small thing is so amazing. Uh, also a small improvement I liked in NeoChat was Spaces support. You know, NeoChat's the Matrix, KDE's Matrix client. And yeah. I mean, we use Spaces yep. for our Matrix environment, so... Nice little feature bump. I'm an old man. I was really happy to see the uh, desktop cube back. Oh, yeah. That was great. You do you do have to have uh, four desktops set up? <laughs> Just FYI. It's a, Wes, it's a cube. <laughs> I want a triangle next. Uh, you know, back in the day, Brent, back in the day, there was different shapes. In fact, uh, to really make it a classic, you also need to have an aquarium in there somehow. You need, yeah. <laughs> uh, the other last thing was... Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Just the defaults in general. Mm. Um, I wonder how far this goes. I'm curious what you think on this. How how far does this go to like shrinking the gap between the out of the box experience between Plasma and GNOME? You know, like in the past, I've really valued GNOME as just like pop it up. Kind of doesn't even matter the distro, at least if it's Fedora, Ubuntu, or you know, right. And I can just get to work. Maybe an extension or two, but like otherwise, it, it pretty much just works. At least like on a single screen, on the go, on a laptop. Plasma's I mean, yes, it does. But like, if you want to kind of get to the same UX, I thought you might, you kind of needed some settings and tweaks. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's, that might be a lot less now. Huh. Yeah. In fact, one of our more popular streams was like, do these first like 20 things when you first set up Plasma. (laughs) Yeah. And get it all configured to work right. And you're right. And I'm not sure. I think maybe in part, I've adapted a bit more to Plasma. But I think in Plasma 6, they've closed the gap. I think they have you right because the the default theming and white spacing is a lot better. The defaults in general, especially with things like the double click, um, the yeah. search improve, you know, mm-hmm. everything snappy and fast and just right at your fingertips. You're blowing my mind. You're blowing my mind. It's like they managed to they managed to close that gap without rugging all of their users. Yeah, like, and I still think it would be you know it'll still work for us here in the studio as like a yeah. power workstation and production environment. Yeah, environment. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, so I, uh, like I mentioned, I used the Tuxedo Series 16, which is an all Ryzen system. And uh, that was great. That was really, really nice to not have to fight to get good video acceleration. And uh, I used Neon, like I said. Earlier in the development cycle, I was using Nix. And then. Oh, yeah, right. There was um, uh, a little GitHub repo that had a flake that kind of had like a preliminary Plasma 6 build before it was getting integrated into Nix yeah. packages proper. And then at some point you realize, well, I, I want to see it in Neon and I want to try it on different hardware. And so I wanted to just reload anyways when I got the tuxedo. So I just went straight to Neon at that point. I don't think it's an overstatement to say Plasma 6 should probably be a masterclass in free software. Uh, the, the way they have rebased this project and changed just enough to make guys like us happy, but keep it same for the folks that don't want a big change, don't want the, the UI to rug them, and they want their settings to be respected. I don't know if we've ever seen this pulled off in Linux desktop history before. Not to take away from anything any of the other projects have done, but generally the work of just this rebase is so massive that there's really no time for these other luxuries. But this feels like a release made of luxuries. I'm just completely blown away how they managed to do this without completely jarring their user base. And so even though it doesn't feel like a major upgrade... 
it's clearly a major upgrade that sets the pathway for another 10-year release cycle of this thing. I mean, I don't know, but it feels like what we have here is we've rebuilt after major infrastructure changes, you know, Wayland being a first-class citizen now, namespace support and console, these kinds of things, better improved gestures and, and algorithms for how things get get viewed in the overall. I, I just, I'm really blown away just the more I think about it, what they've accomplished here without making it massively disruptive. Kind of feels like, a, you know, we've come a long way in the last, I don't know, four or five years. Kind of think, you know, as GNOME made a lot of progress down the Wayland path, and for a while, Plasma felt a little shaky in that regard. I mean, you could do it, but there's just a lot of edge cases. Kind of took a while for that to become like a, a major focus of the project itself. Uh, there'd been, you know, KWIN forks and just sort of other rough signs of like, well, how much can we count on this being really solid in, you know, the next decade, half decade? But here we are that time later and it's better than ever now for these gestures uh i i saw that there's some improvements in gesture swiping and chris you've had some gripes about this on various desktops and you are extra sensitive to this so i'm curious have you tried the gestures how do they stack up against say the gnome desktop and is this something you're going to use in plasma from here forward i'll say up front they've solved the major problem which is you've got this muscle memory if you've used mac os or home you've got this three finger swipe or whatever maybe it's four finger swipe depends to move between your desktops laterally so right and left you just swipe on your trackpad and it slides you over and you can boom 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 and you can be on your third desktop really quick and it's it is really a feature that makes for me working on a laptop where i'm used to having lots of screens manageable in plasma you could kind of make this work various different ways you had to disable something and add something and tweak something, and then you could kind of get it to work, and trust me, I've done it every single time. And every now and then it breaks, and I don't know why. In Plasma 6, it works out of the box, as they say, and the thing that they've done to solve the muscle memory problem is three-finger or four-finger four swipe works. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't matter which one. It just works. And then when you do the four-finger swipe down, I think it is, uh, or maybe it's up, you get the overall horizontal workspace management like you do in GNOME. So you get the desktops in little versions up top and then the the individual window uh, desktop windows that you can move through. And the, the animation looks pretty good. It looks a lot like kind of what you'd expect managing spaces in macOS or GNOME. And I say that in a good way because it's, again, you translate those skills directly to managing this. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel significantly worse than those other implementations. Yeah. They found a good job catching up. Yeah, I, mean, I I would love to be able to drag windows from the little tiny preview icons to the other ones. You can't do that yet. Yes. Oh, would like to do that. I think the animation is good. I don't think it's quite as smooth as GNOME or macOS, but I think it's pretty good, either both for the switching and all that kind of stuff. But it's I really I, that's such a minor complaint. I'm so happy that that they they have this working and that it works with three and four fingers. It's it's so great. So now I just I can I know from the future going forward I'll sit down in front of a plasma desktop and I'll just boop 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 boop. That's me swiping boop 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 me swiping boop. Now Chris, I decided to try gestures. You know I'm not really a gestures guy. I've got much to learn from you in that respect. But I figured you I would try. Got to get on board with the gestures, Brent. You got we, what are you, an animal working with that laptop, holding down buttons on your keyboard to switch desktops? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I have yeah, much much to learn. Um, but I figured I would try it because you'd give me a hard time, which you just did. Thank you very much. Everything's going smoothly. Uh, and I found at least on my hardware with the framework that I had to 
Uh, now I'm learning. I'm still learning. I'm a young pup, but I had to just uh-huh. pause just a beat with my three fingers on the trackpad just to get it to to work. So I had to like fingers down, just pause a moment and then swipe. Is that your experience? Yeah. So you, yeah, I think that's got to be like their logic trying to figure out if you're scrolling or moving or what. And so I think, yeah, you need no activity for a moment. Now, for me, it's not much of a problem because for RSI purposes, I have two input devices. I have a vertical mouse and a trackpad, and I really only use the trackpad for the gestures. So that setup, I think, is why I probably don't – why you don't hear me complaining about it. But I do think there is a pause there for, like, the logic to figure out what you mean to do. And they do have, like, some, like, anti-rejection stuff in there to make sure you're not doing the wrong thing. So it could be just figuring that out. I imagine it's – probably something you learn and then you don't even think about you know if you use this for a week you just don't even think about that that tiny pause that you need to do but at least as someone who's new to gestures that stood out for me report back next week yeah Yeah, right yeah yeah i'm gonna keep it on the uh, i'm gonna keep it on the tuxedo for a little bit for um, for a couple days i got another distro you'll never guess what i'm gonna load on there next um but i feel like if we were to just reframe this for a moment this isn't how we really think about these things and we don't encourage people thinking about these things but if we were to recontext these into the great desktop wars. Uh, Plasma has really made significant moves here that give them a innovation runway that feels a little less burdened by technical debt now. And I was prepared to come on the air and say, probably want to wait to Plasma 602 before you jump on. It's really rough. Um, Exciting, but, you know, a lot of things to figure out. But no, we're both, I mean, all three of us, I think, are really saying it's been really solid for us, right? We're all... Yeah, I don't have any qualms about using a day-to-day. Impressive. All. So I really feel like that they've set themselves up for a strong future. Um, I think that's for people that are power users that that like to really take advantage, for people who like to mess with their computers, I really feel like the Plasma 6 desktop is worth a look at. Uh, I'm at 99% right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of the install. That's going pretty good. It's installing the DIA binary Xorg driver. Oh, of course. I don't, even, I don't even use Xorg on this, but maybe it's a compatibility thing. So I'll reboot. I'll reboot and we'll see how it goes. You know? Nothing like rebooting during the show. You don't, you don't need the show notes, right? No. Collide.com slash unplugged. You've probably heard me talk about Collide before. You've probably heard me mention, too, that Collide is such a great resource if you're in IT and security. Did you hear they've been acquired by 1Password? It's pretty, pretty big news. And these two companies are really leading the industry in creating security solutions that are really user first. And users can really use these tools. And for over a year, Clyde Device Trust has helped companies with Okta ensure that only known secure devices can access their data. And that's what they're still doing. But now they're doing it as part of 1Password. So if you've got Okta and you've been meaning to check out Clyde, now's a great time. Clyde comes with a library of pre-built device posture checks, and you can write your own custom checks for just about anything you can think of. And you can use Collide on all your devices, even the ones without MDM, like your Linux fleet, maybe your contractor devices, and every BYO device that your users can think of. (laughs) It's just the world these days. And now that Collide's part of 1Password, they're only getting better. So go check them out at collide.com slash unplugged. Learn how they work. Watch the demo. They got a great video over there. You can support the show doing that. It's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash unplugged. A big thank you to Collide. And that's collide.com slash unplugged. 
Now, occasionally I get this weird feeling like Chris has a surprise for us, and I'm having that feeling right now. Chris, do you have anything for us? I'm doing a thing. I am doing a thing that I kicked off uh, last Friday. I'm calling it This Week in Bitcoin, thisweekinbitcoin.show, www.thisweekinbitcoin.show. A high-signal Bitcoin news podcast that uh, I'm making for the JB community that wants to stay informed on what's going on and the podcasting 2.0 community. Um, the Bitcoin dad pod is going on hiatus. That's how you say it, right? That's how you say it. Uh-huh. And then um, I decided I wanted to keep going. You know, I used to do a funny story, short story time, if you will indulge me for a moment. Stay a while and listen. My first Bitcoin podcast was about 13 years ago called Plan B, and I started it before Linux Unplugged. And I wrapped up Plan B in 2013 and then launched Linux Unplugged the next week. And I thought, as, as I'm looking out at all the things going on right now, I've realized that I find Bitcoin just to be absolutely more fascinating now than ever, especially with the ETFs and everything. So I'm just going to mention it now. I'm not going to put it in the all show feeds because I don't, well, I'd be open to feedback on that, but it just seems a little off topic. So I wanted to mention it here. No crap coins, just Bitcoin focused on signal and open source. You guys know how I do it. It's just me right now because it's live to tape, lean mean, and I publish it out. Uh, but things can always change if it gets popular, and I'd love to have you check it out. And I'm going to try to just have high signal, no hype news coverage for you. www.thisweekinbitcoin.show and um, give me your thoughts, check it out, and your feedback. Now, Chris, I noticed uh, episode one is out. Can you give us a little teaser what you covered in episode one? Well, there's been speculation that Jeff Bezos has been buying Bitcoin at monstrous levels. Uh, and I don't know if that's true or not, but I just sort of outlined the data that everybody is getting excited about that some somebody is buying like 100 Bitcoin a day. Somebody is doing 100 DCA of Bitcoin a day right now. And uh, they've already spent like 2 million bucks. And since Bezos just cashed out like 8 billion worth of Amazon stock, who knows? But uh, the, the, other than that, um, I'm, what are, one of the things that I'm going to do is I'm going – because there's a lot of media coverage these days – is I'm going to take some of the clips – and do the kind of thing that I like to do in some of the shows where I'll riff on some of the clips and play a little bit of audio, focus on open source project updates and things like that. So that's sort of what you get out of episode one and what you get out of future episodes, too. Thank you for asking, sir. And now it is time for the boost. And the Dude Abides is our first booster this week. And he's also our baller booster because he is coming in with 50,000 sats. He is. Our dragon. I hoard that which your kind covets. He writes using Fountain FM. Here's live boosting. Happy episode. I was looking for a way to quickly check to see if I was connected to Tailscale without the command line. Not sure if you've mentioned it before, but I found a helpful little app. Could even be a pick of the week. It's called Trayscale. And as you've probably guessed it, it's a tray icon. It is GTK based. And yes, it's packaged in NixOS. Well, as you can probably guess, the dude abides. I already have it installed. <laughs> of course. I do as well. Uh, do you? Do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, it's a good app, and uh, there's a GNOME extension that works with it as well. Yeah, I do I do definitely recommend Trayscale. Go out there and try it out. I think you're gonna I think you're gonna like it if you have because you can also get like your IPs, get a copy of your clipboard real quick. It's a nice one. Eric D boosts in with fifty thousand ads. I hoard that which your kind covets. Boosting to say that Fountain has recently won me back after a few months of using Podcast Guru. I tried it again when Podcast Guru's Albi integration stopped working for me, and I'm happy to be back. I love the transcript feature and the social feed view. 
Seeing other booths within the app adds so much additional value to the podcast episodes. One bug I've found, though, show notes don't seem to show everything. I can only see the first paragraph, but keep up the great work, Fountain. Eric, thank you for that boost. And your uh, concern there about the show notes is officially on the list. And uh, Little Birdie tells me that perhaps the next little UI tweak update will fix that problem soon. I don't know if it'll be in the next one or the one after that, but it's coming very soon. That social feed thing, I just want to touch on this. That is the number one thing that bounced me off the app the first few times. Is I, I don't want a social feed. I, don't, I, I can't really stand social media. Then I just decided, much like when I had to just adopt GNOME and just kind of use it for a bit. Once I decided, to, oh, well, I'll try it for a bit. I'll give myself a month. And then I discovered six new podcasts that way. And it kind of becomes, depending on if you are willing to follow people, you can kind of get a sense of what's a buzz in podcasts. It's it actually a pretty interesting experiment. So I now I'm actually a big fan of the feature. I'd like to remark here uh, that Eric and the dude are tied for Baller Booster. So thank you both. Really, really, really appreciate it. The hybrid sarcasm came in with three boosts for a total of 42,500 sats. The answer to the ultimate question. The first one, a little bit of follow-up feedback from last week. Gave Fountain tagging a try, and it's certainly workable, but just not 100% what I'm after. The dynamic playlist functionality that Gene Bean boosted in last week is exactly what I want from Fountain. It's why I kept going to Castomatic. He also mentions, uh, you asked about my dad stuff playlist last week. Well, I'm currently subscribed to Dad Tired, which sounds quite appropriate, Daily Dad Jokes, and For Fit Fatherhood. Plenty of parenting resources out there, but not much focused on us dads. So I'll share whatever new stuff I find. Daily Dad Jokes? There's a Daily Dad Joke podcast, Wes? Okay, I'm curious. Man, that's great. I'm, I'm, you know what? It's nice to see some dad comment content out there. Thank you, Hybrid. Really appreciate that. Distro Stew came in with a row of McDucks, 22,222 sets. Things are looking up for old McDuck. Ah, I'm glad, he, I'm glad he wrote this feedback. Concerning the next cloud episode, or the next cloud, I should say, <laughs> uh, why was there some SQLite hate in there? You know, when self-hosting anything, including NextCloud, I always look for the option to use SQLite. On my phone, my services usually have no more than five users anyways. So I see the selling points as it's the most widely deployed database. It can handle millions of statements. It uses less memory than the big DBs. And it's trivial to back up. I can just copy the nextcloud.db file. So why? Why? The SQL hate. SQL light hate. I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to, and really we should say, uh, we don't really intend SQLite hate. I mean, it's super useful. It's a great embedded database. Yeah. Tons of stuff uses it. Uh, yeah. I've used it in projects. Um, Apps that we don't even realize are using it are using it for all kinds of little things that are useful. Mm -hmm. And because it's an embedded database, right, you can just load it up as a library and all kinds. They've got bindings to everything. So it's, it's super easy to use and it gives you, you know, structured relational data, which is nice. Um, I, I think the probably the, one of the things that has hit us in the head is a lot of projects treat it as a second-class database. You know, it's sort of said to you like, well, you can use it for your test installer for like a teeny install, but if you, you know, you want all these things or the, the features... I think that um, more attention ends up being spent on the integration between the app and a sort of more traditional client-server database like Postgres. I think also, with the, in the case of NextCloud, the signal essentially from the development team is don't use SQLite. So it's not the recommended database by the project. And as a result of me being stubborn and using it regardless, 
I've had issues where Wes has had to save my database. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, like yeah, I've had problems. And then, of course, when I went and complained that I had SQLite problems with NextCloud, I had to hear from everybody in the entire world that it's not actually a recommended or supported database. So it's not so much that we were hated on SQLite. We were kind of hated on SQLite in conjunction with NextCloud because it's not a recommended setup. But it works great for uh, for tons of things. And uh... and I'm still technically using it, <laughs> and it still technically works. I just might need Wes to save it again in a year or so. You never, you know, about once a year. And, you know, there are some good points there. Like, I do, the, the trivial backup stuff is is really nice. I think, uh, you know, Postgres backups are decently easy, and we've seen some stuff with Nick's tooling to make that easier, but it is hard to beat uh, a single CP. Yeah. Our thirties boosts in with 3,000 cents via Fountain. Would love to see more comments, input, etc. from the mumble room in the recorded show, at least when it adds value to the discussion. In some older episodes, I remember hearing some interesting perspectives from the mumble room. Thanks for the great show. You are the mumble room, sir. You make the mumble room, right? Or you could be. You could be, yeah. You could be. You're right. We generally have more looser conversations in the pre and post show, which gives you a mumble room opportunity to jump in there. But you're always welcome to join and uh, then tag us in the mumble room if you have some, or in the chat room. The way it works is you generally want to be in both. You get in the mumble room, you can hang out and listen to the show. And if you want to participate in the conversation, you can just tag one of us in the chat room and then we'll work you in. Now Thor boosted in through Fountain with 11,479 sats. Now, last week I asked about keyboards and what people were suggesting for ergonomic setups since I'm changing my desk setup here. And they recommend, uh, I strongly recommend getting a split keyboard and taking the time to get used to it. Even one step further, build it from a kit. Hmm. There is pride in using something you've made yourself. And since you mentioned that you want it to feel good, then I would say that adds the feels for me. I got a corn split keyboard from 42keebs.eu, but going directly to a 40% keyboard may be a bit much to begin with. Maybe the Lily 58 is a better recommendation. By the way, long-time listener and first-time booster. hey Thank you for taking the time to get that set up. I know that can be a bit of a journey, but we always really appreciate that. You know, um, with the closure of some some part of Open Collective, I don't really understand it. I, I just am once again really appreciative that the listeners are working with us to set up a direct value system that has no middleman between us. So really appreciate that. And great comments on ergonomic keyboards. This is a topic we should be talking more about. And I kind of wanted to underscore the split keyboard thing. I've been thinking about it more. I, I have one that uh, it's they're not connected. The two pieces are not connected. So I can really spread it out sometimes, which is really nice. Put a plate in the middle of it. <laughs> you can have lunch and your keyboard. But also just when your wrists need a little stretch out, it's just really great. See, the thing I worry about with a split keyboard is it's it feels so custom that like I, f- I, I fear I'll get the wrong one and then just be eternally unhappy. Mm. It does honestly feel like a subject that does require a bit of experimentation and to each their own. So you could, un- yeah, yeah, I think that is a genuine concern. <sighs> well, you know, the best thing to do then would be to go to like a, a store that has them and just try them. Or I have an idea. Just keep the recommendations flowing in. Boost us in. Let me know what you think I should get. Maybe we'll work it out. We'll feed them all into an LLM and it'll just spit you out an answer. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Thor's second boost of 10,979 sats, he says, uh, hey, I forgot to like uh, fix the amount in the first boost. So here's a post number boost. So skip the very first number and guess the country from that quoted word. Wes, did you have any success here? This is kind of seems like a bit of a riddle. Uh, yeah, it does. Um, 
I did my best, and so it was 10,979 sats. You strip the one off that, you get 0,979. Um, based on that and post number, I'm going to say you're in Oslo, Norway. Hello, Norway! But do let us know if we got that right. Yeah. Well, I think might be right, because 42eu might point to at least the right mm-hmm. continent. That's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. Wes has like a probability score with these, and that that was not his highest probability score. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like a just like a large language model. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Gene Bean comes in with, "Hey, look, it's a row of ducks. Isn't that cute? Look at him go." He says, "Are there new features like the ones you mentioned for the Linux Unplugged members? Are they going to be coming to the SRE feeds too? Oh, yes, all feeds eventually. However, I'm still working out kinks and bugs in the members feed. We went with our largest member feed." As a launch? As you do. <laughs> as I do. And so I'm working out little edge cases. It's the fastest way to get all the edge cases. It definitely is that. It definitely is. Thank you for asking, G. Dicario comes in with 12,345 Satoshis. So the combination is one, two, three, four, five. That's the stupidest combination I ever heard in my life. Spaceballs boost. Hearing some of the pain points of your monitor troubles... I couldn't help but reminisce on one of my contributors to Lutris several years back. Hmm. There's a feature for disabling monitors when you launch a game, and part of my change was to support consistent reconfiguring of your displays after the game had closed. I used four monitors at the time, and this specifically used XRander, so I don't know if this has been updated to support Wayland or anything, but I would look out for this option if you happen to use Lutris. Okay. Takairo, that's great. That is, I mean, I love that A, it disables them. So, because you know, for the people that don't remember, I was having issues where I would go to turn in a first person shooter and my mouse just keeps going to my second screen. And then I go to turn <laughs> left and it just goes to my other screen. And I look up and it goes to my screen above my monitor. And it, I can't keep the mouse inside the game regardless of what I do. And it doesn't matter which game I play anymore. It's on all of them. I do like that. I mean, maybe you could start with something like a script if you needed to, but having it built into the launcher is smart and just like blank your monitors, get the game going. And then, you know, the moment you close, uh, you restore. Yeah. Oh, that's a great feature. Smart. Great contribution. Thank you. We got 2,000 sats from Lego Feet. That would be hard to find shoes. But Lego Feet says, uh, sends in a little bit of fountain feedback here. The show notes don't work for me. I get the first paragraph, but in other applications like Pocket Cast, I do get the entire show notes. The full thing, yeah. That will be fixed soon, um, especially, you know, now that we've, we've identified what the issue is. So thank you, Sarah. I am. I have had, um, you know, been having my weekly meetings over there with mm-hmm. uh, Nick from Fountain, and we'll have something we're going to talk about in a little bit that they've been working on. That's going to be uh, the foundation for our new live page. So when we're on the road to scale, we'll have a brand new live stream page you can use that's part of Fountain, and uh, they're getting it all set up for us. Elry seven four one. Hello, sir. Comes in with a row of ducks. That one's got a little brown butt. Since I know Fountain said they're going to be fixing issues, I've been having issues with the JB private member feeds and trying to boost. I, I do have streaming sats enabled um, since it's been offered, but I don't know if it's been sen- sending a single sat. So this is one of the little things I want to look into because I don't use the member feeds very much. So because I actually don't use any of the feeds very much, but the member feeds are each individually generated. So it's kind of hard. a little harder to test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I will. I will look into that. And hey, thanks for I mean everything, but uh, also for attempting to stream us sats. Yeah. Yeah, and helping us work this stuff out as we get these kinks worked out, then we'll roll them out to the other feeds. And, you know, it's part of the process. Woden501 comes in with 3,000 sats. Hey-o. I love my Kinesis Freestyle Pro keyboard yeah. with the tenting kit. It's a split mechanical keyboard with quiet switches and N key rollover. 
For the mouse, the most ergonomic option, and my favorite, is a vertical mouse. Anchor make a good one, cheap enough to see if you like it. The only downside of the vertical mouse is they're not great for gaming. Yeah. Between these two, I avoid any carpal tunnel or trigger finger issues. That that does sound like a nice setup, Odin. Thanks for letting us know. Yeah, I'll, I'll co-sign on the Freestyle Pro, too. You can get that. It's uh, not cheap, though. But you know what? When you start to get a nicer keyboard, it's 180 bucks actually isn't that much. And especially if you're doing this for you know, your day, day job or yes. an important hobby, you're going to be a lot of hours on it. It's, it's going to pay off. You're touching it all the time. Now, Greeno sent in a Spaceballs boost. One, two, three, four, five. Yes. That's amazing. I've got the same combination on my luggage. Hey, did someone say backups in the last episode? I have one word for you. Our snapshot. It serves the best of both worlds. One, utilizes hard links for files, saving space on your disk. Number mm-hmm. two, saves as normal files. So being able to browse any files you want is nice. So there's no chunking or databases to fiddle with. But rsync for mirrors of the chunked duplicati and proxmox backups. Don't quite know what he means by that. Uh, so I've used our snapshot for a long time, gentlemen, and I just recently switched away from it. Really? Yeah. I, so I, I loved it for very many reasons, all of the ones listed. But I just kept running into like these edge cases where it was like, oh, yeah, I got to go and manually like move things. Or So I, I moved to Borg Backup, which I mentioned, I think, in that previous conversation. And it's like all the benefits of our snapshot and more. So, I mean, everyone has different use cases, but I would say our snapshot's great, but there are more powerful things out there that also, yeah, there's compromises, but provide even nicer features, at least for me. I do love hearing people's backup solutions. Mm-hmm. I could I could read Boost about that all day because I just, I try to take all that information in. It's one of those things, right, where like we've got all these sort of Unix-y oriented tools available. And so you can kind of form all kinds of different pipelines to move your data where you need it with the whatever trade-offs make the most sense in your setup. Thank you, Greeno. Appreciate that. VT52 sends in a row of ducks and he says, oh, hey, looky here. Plasma 6 has just been merged into NixOS Unstable. Linky. VT, thank you for sending that in. We spread that around immediately. And uh, I think, Brent, was this was this... This was, I think, the link we used to get you kicked off, didn't we? This is exactly the boost that immediately, when boosted in, <laughs> put me on a different path. So, yeah. VT, thank you. I really appreciate it. It might be a nice moment, too, to just, like, uh, send some praise to the NixOS packaging folks, too, because, you know, Plasma's not a simple project to package. Yeah. Um, no and, you know, NixOS, great Nix package is amazing, but sometimes there's, like, a little drift because there's, whatever, 80,000 packages to maintain. I did not expect, like, for almost same day, Plasma 6 integrate. I thought, you know, okay, maybe a week, you know, a couple weeks even. No. Yeah. Just right same. there. I know. Very impressive. It, it, it bodes well for the future of Plasma users on NixOS. Mm-hmm. The PR for this one is pretty hilarious, too. It just says, yeah, it's the entire thing, and I apologize in advance. <laughs> Rotted Mood comes in with 10,000 cents. hey In regards to uh, local AI, have you guys seen this? I haven't tried it yet, but plan on sitting down with it to see how it runs and how it might assist my coding. And uh, links us to github.com slash bigcode-project slash starcoder2. Starcoder2, a family of code generation models. Hmm. You know, this is our only boost so far perter- pertaining to last week's topic. Mm. I think that's signal to us that last week's topic wasn't a good one. That's how I interpret that. And we were, after we wrapped up, we were kind of on the fence. We weren't really sure. 
Uh, we wanted to get it out there because we think it's important from like a discussion standpoint of like we need to have more network effect around open source AI and we need the tooling to be better on Linux than ever. But I don't think it really resonated. But I really do appreciate you sending that along. Yeah, it looks nice. Um, it looks like, uh, at least here on the quick start, uh, star coder two models are intended for code completion. So you're not going to do stuff like uh, write a function that computes the square root. But, yeah. you know, you could integrate it into your editor and have stuff that you might otherwise only get from something like GitHub or GitLab. And actually be useful. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. It's star coder two, and we will have a link to that. Thank you, Routed Mood. Appreciate that. Nomadic Coder sent in 5,555 sats. Make it so. I develop applications for a major academic library. I have seven years worth of engineering notes I take throughout my work day. So I installed local GPT and indexed all of my notes. I was really surprised at the quality of the answers to specific project-based queries. Mm. It's pretty cool to receive a nearly correct conversational answer from my own notes. And best of all, my personal notes didn't get loaded onto someone else's server. This is neat to hear because this is definitely one area we've thought about toying with, I mean, basically all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, imagine if you could feed all the show notes and, and show docs. Imagine if we fed it the source for all of our show docs and then we could ask it about our shows. And Yeah. All right. Our second boost about last week's topic. Appreciate that. Local GPT, an open source, uh, open source initiative that allows you to converse with your documents without compromising your privacy. They write, with everything running locally, you can be assured that you that no data ever leaves your computer. Uh, dive into the world of secure local document interactions with local GPT. You know, between that and then the Starcoder stuff, those are both areas where, you know, you really might have some sensitivities to just what data is going where. And at least maybe these aren't necessarily uh, completely competitive, but it gives you an option. Nomadic Coder, I really, really like that recommendation. I think that's one that I want to play with after the show. Really appreciate that. Ford Humor comes in with a row of ducks. Hi, gang. I've been out in the past few months, been out there studying, heads down, in my spare time trying to get my CISSP exam. The Certified Information System Security Professional. Yeah, look at you. Uh, I'm proud to say I passed. Nice. <laughs> Nicely done. That is fantastic. That is really good. I'm excited to return all the great Jupiter Broadcasting, to return to the great Jupiter Broadcasting content. How I have missed you. Thanks again for the great show. And all the labor of love for the community. Well, Forward Huber, thank you for that row of ducks. And congratulations on the new cert. That's exciting. Sam H. comes in with 2,222 cents. I'm giving Fountain another try. I tried to boost the member feed live unplugged. Yep. But when clicking boost, it just spins for a moment and nothing happens. We must have a bogus split in there or something. So that's our second report this week. So after the show... We'll write, I'm going to write it down right now. After the show, we're going to subscribe to a member feed, and we're going to test this, right? Yeah. We're going to see what's wrong. Mm, yeah, going to split says something went wrong. Yeah, that's we're going to good... find out what that something is. Mm -hmm. It's probably Brent's fault. Definitely. Now, Zach Attack came in with 8,473 sats. You're doing a good job. Here's a shout-out to the makers of AntennaPod. You guys have the best podcast app out there, but please integrate it with Albi and add in Boosting and 2.0. I've not had trouble with downloading RSS feeds like I've had with Podverse and Fountain. Also, the way its inbox and queuing system works just feels natural to how I want to listen to podcasts. It lets me queue up what I want and just has a more polished feel. Also, thank you, Chris, Brent, Wes, and Drew for the work you guys put in. This is also a zip code boost. Just add a four in the front. All right, West Payne. I got to add letters? You got it? Numbers? Yep. What's happening? I here? know. It, it, 
Man, oh man. Okay, well, uh, you add a four, you get uh, uh-huh. four, eight, four, seven, three. Okay. That seems to be a postal code in Genesee County, Michigan. Well, hello, Michigan. With cities like uh, Schwartz Creek, Flint Township, and Rankin. Schwartz Creek almost sounds like something that'd be in a comedy. Hmm. You know? Like a... <laughs> All right. Zach Attack, appreciate that. Thank you very much. Atenopod's beloved, of course. I am always impressed by the various little issues people have with Android and podcast clients. It's kind of like on iOS, it's like it either works or it doesn't work. It's like a yay or nay thing, and it generally it's the same on all, the, all almost all the iOS devices except for the older ones. But on Android, man, you can have just like individual arbitrary features just don't work in an app, but then on a phone right next to it, a different Android app, work just fine. It's really, really crazy. It's really crazy. It's, I don't okay. know, fragmentation, blah, 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 blah. Maybe Android needs to use next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Curtis Drums, who uh, is a value for value music artist who saw some sats coming in from our members feed. And thank you to our members who who are members and boost. Absolutely incredible. Wild. Absolutely incredible. And everybody who boosted into the show, we have the 2000 sat cutoff to actually make it into the show. But we read all of them and appreciate every single boost. We had 25 boosters this week and we stacked 247,790 sats. Thank you again, everyone. What we're trying to build here is a sustainable model that anybody could adopt, a software author, a music artist, an audiobooks author, or a podcaster. There's no middleman. It's all peer-to-peer software. It's all free software. It is a little tricky because you're buying outside this established financial system. You're going from a closed-source system to an open system. It's not always easy, but that's been true for all of time. But what you, when you're on the other end, it is set up. It's easy to refill and boost back in. And it's a great way to interact with us. It's our improv moment on the show. It gives us a chance to hear from you. We use it also as a multiple different way to get to gauge signals in your interest around the content. And thank you, everybody, who takes the time to just set that sat streaming and lets it go. Really appreciate that. Really appreciate our members. We have links on our website. You can get an ad-free version of the show or, even better, get the bootleg version. which is like double the content. The bootleg version of the show is like two hours and 45 minutes right now. Lots of stuff over there. Thank you, everybody. Oh, really appreciate it. You guys are great. And I'm getting so excited about the trip to scale. We have so much great stuff to bring you over just the next couple of months. Just really, really cooking. We have a pick for you this week. I'll throw in a bonus pick called CPU controller, but uh, I don't, I'm not gonna talk about it. I'm gonna talk about Fountain Radio, which is a community station for music. It's like an internet jukebox. You can find it at radio.fountain.fm, and it's a jukebox where you send in, like, you know, your favorite songs, and they get listed in there, and you can boost them up to the top of the track if you want and send some sats to the artist. It's got a chat room. And you don't have to send sats to chat. You just have to send sats if you want to, like, add to the queue. Yeah, or or boost a song up in the queue. Oh, okay. But if you just want to listen and chat, no sats required. I assume you do have to have a fountain account. Not to chat. Maybe to chat. I'm not sure. I do have a fountain account, so I can't say otherwise, but... You also could log in with Albie. Oh, neat. Brent and I were on there this morning, hanging out before the show, and I was on there a little bit on Saturday, just playing tracks and hanging out with folks. Bite bit and stop by, and we were hanging out and playing music. It also gives you a chance to kind of see where we might end up with our live app that we're going to have for on our trip to scale, and they're going to take some of the technology they've built there and apply it to our use case, which will then also be expanded to other concerts and podcasts, and we'll kind of create a use case study around what we're doing for JB for podcasts, and then hopefully publish that at some point. So there'll be like a path other podcasters can follow 
to do the same. And so uh, Fountain Radio is kind of the first iteration of this. If you want to check it out, it's radio.fountain.fm. And it's a great way to discover new music. Mainstream music just hasn't been working for me, boys. I don't, I don't mean to be that guy, but it really hasn't now for the last few years. I've just really burned out on it. And, uh, you know, value for value music is unique. It's interesting. And some of the songs really, I really, really dig. Um, so check it out, radio.fountain.fm. And then we'll have a link in there to CPU Controller, a straightforward little GUI written in uh, Python Qt 6 which is in theme for this episode, to disable and enable individual CPU cores. And then for Ryzen systems, Jeff, you recommend all the time, and I always forget. Ryzen Adjust. Ryzen Adjust. And, you know, the idea there is you can get yourself a nice, big, fast machine, but then when you don't need all that power or heat, you can turn down the individual cores. And um, there's a little Python Qt6 app to do it. So if you've got Plasma 6, you've probably got everything you need to try it out. You can just go grab it. It's kind of one of those things, you know, it's nice to... reason you might be using Linux... Partially to make up because your system's not automatically doing it, but you can do it all yourself if you want to. I'd almost rather have the, the control than have it automatically. Yeah, at least you it. know, and the uh, algorithm controlling it's not going to suddenly change out from under you. <laughs> Again, thank you to our members. You get double the content or you get an ad-free version of the feed. We have links at linuxunplugged.com for that. Also, I'm, I'm looking for an app for anybody out there who's an Android user that is great for scanning documents. I've got ScanBot right now, I think is what it's called, but it... it First of all, it always tries to like take it – try, it tries at the wrong times. It's trying to do a whole bunch of other stuff. I want a very simple, clever little app that like I could recommend to the spousal unit if I ever get her on a Pizel that where you can like – you know, maybe it's a business card. Maybe it's a bill. You can just hover over it. It'll do a great snapshot and scan. Would you please boost in a great app if you have one for that on Android? And then uh, I'll feature it as a pick if I find one that works really well. So don't recommend ScanBot. I've used ScanBot. So if you've got that, that's fine. But I'd like to have something else. Boost in and let us know. Don't forget we're live on Sundays. We have the next one. Should be fun. We're going to have it in studio. Brent's going to be here. We're going to be packing to go to scale. So join us at Sunday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern next week. See you next week. Same bad time, same bad station. And remember... Links to what we talked about today, linuxunplugged.com slash 552. We'd love to hear your experiences with Plasma 6 or why you're not going to give it a go. You want to be that stubborn Linux user? Make the case. We'll hear it. We appreciate all of it. Of course, you can always email us at linuxunplugged.com slash contact. You'll find our mumble info over there, our matrix infos on the website as well, our membership deets, all of it. It's a website with links at linuxunplugged.com. It's great. Glad somebody finally came up with that. Thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Unplugged Program. We'll see you right back here next Tuesday, as in Sunday.